Chapter 5, Year 855, PXF Summer Talon's trainer in weapon mastery arrived at the Corvermain estate the following week. A giant of a man, even to Talon's new perspective after his year of training and added height. With a glance at Talon, the black-armored figure marched into the smithy, setting Mikal to work. He emerged less than an hour later, with a flat steel bar as long as Talon was tall with a primitive guard and hilt on one end. He was a severe man with features that looked like they had been carved of granite and framed by hair the color of brushed steel that hung past his square jaw. He spoke with the authority of one whose words were never questioned and never needed repeating. Throwing the length of steel to Talon, That is your greatsword. You will treat it like the most precious thing you own. You will never be without it, or you shall bear a scar from me to remind you of your folly. He continued directly. You shall address me as commander, and nothing more. You shall earn another scar if you call me sir or my lord or something equally offensive. Titles such as those are for people who sit on their arses all day in padded chairs. Talon's training began at that instant. The commander drew his sword and lunged at Talon more swiftly than a snake strike. Talon clumsily blocked the attack with his greatsword, as he could scarcely lift it into any facsimile of a proper stance when holding it only by the makeshift hilt. Again, demanded the commander. Ching! Talon retreated, dragging the end of the training sword through the dirt of the courtyard. Again! The commander was practically chasing Talon now, his long strides carrying him far faster than Talon could scramble away. Clang! Talon fell backward, quickly recovered his feet, and grabbed the steel bar just in time. Again! A fury was now entering the commander's words. Fear and adrenaline coursed through Talon's veins. Crack! Ching! Clang! Over and over, the assault continued. The commander was a teacher of little patience and even less tolerance. He demanded nothing short of total obedience and absolute perfection. His attacks were ruthless, and they began drawing blood more times than not. Talon's previous year of self-led training was nothing compared to the grueling first day the commander put him through. As sunset approached, Talon's whole body was shaking, barely able to stand. Good. Tomorrow the real work begins. Here, drink this. It will revive you enough to eat and sleep. The commander threw Talon his flask. It contained a watered-down alcoholic liquid with a bitter herbal taste which Talon drank greedily. He then slunk inside, dragging the training sword behind him. Talon ate in the kitchen, being in no state to join his parents in the dining room. Barely able to lift a fork or knife, Talon could only ravenously shovel the food Miss Haddington and the cooks brought in a stream of plates and bowls directly into his mouth. Sleep came quickly and deeply, with only one panicked reawakening when Talon remembered his greatsword, which he promptly recovered from where it was leaning against the dresser and not within arm's reach. Before sunrise, the commander in full armor burst into Talon's room, his sword falling to Talon's throat, where it stopped, drawing only the slightest trickle of blood. Talon, frozen in fear, found his hand wrapped around the hilt of his training sword, but it had not moved even an inch to block the commander's blow. Today you have died, but your sword is close, so the blame is mine. I shall train you harder, the commander said before sheathing his sword and turning to leave. Ten minutes. Be in the courtyard. Eat first. The commander was true to his word. 
By midday, Talon's body was shaking, and his muscles were spasming so violently that he fell to the ground with every step the commander demanded he take. If you can't walk, you shall crawl. Clang! When you can no longer crawl, you shall roll. Clang! When you can no longer roll, you shall squirm like a worm avoiding the hook. Clang! Each word was punctuated by a fall of the commander's sword, nearly cleaving off a part of Talon's body. When his frame finally fell limp, unable to respond to any attempt to move, the commander's voice rang out again. And when nothing is left, you shall then be done. The commander stepped over Talon's body, dropping some hard tack, jerky, and his flask with the restorative elixir on Talon's chest. We begin again in an hour. And so the days went, one after another. Talon interacted with no one but the commander, Balanon, who stitched wounds shut, and Miss Haddington, who tutted the commander's grueling training as Talon continued taking his meals in the kitchen. He barely saw his parents. Only once did he think he caught a glimpse of his father's silhouette, darkening a window looking down on him from above. Year 855 PXF Late Autumn It was a month before the training became anything more than a trial of exhaustion and pain. Two before Talon ever blocked a morning ambush by the commander, to which the commander dryly stated, Today you live. Tomorrow morning I will not be so easy to thwart. Which he was not. Months after that, as fall was turning to winter and Talon was no longer retiring to his room as a zombie from exhaustion, the unthinkable happened when he fell asleep in a chair by the fire. The training greatsword, now covered in nicks and dents, was close at hand as always. Yet sometime in the night, in half-slumber, Talon moved to the bed, leaving the sword by the hearth. The morning arrived, along with the commander's attack. Talon reacted to grab his sword, but his hand landed on thin air, and no block to the ruthless attack came. Instead, the commander's sword stopped at Talon's throat, drawing blood much as it did the first morning. Today you are dead, and the blame is yours. The commander turned, grabbing the training sword from beside the hearth, and walked out without a word. Not knowing what to do, Talon dressed, ate quickly, and went to the courtyard where they usually trained. A light dusting of snow covered the ground with nary a footprint marking its surface. Talon's breath began to come faster, a tightness gripping his chest. Panic began to enter his mind. Had he been deserted once again? Had he ruined his chance to find Riken and bring him home? Talon felt like he was drowning, the courtyard beginning to spin. He could swear he heard a cruel laughing inside his mind, but only for a moment. The attack that hit him was brutal, like being kicked by a warhorse in the chest. Talon hit the hard ground flat on his back, knocking every bit of breath from him. The commander was then on top of him, knee on his left arm, pinning it down with his full weight, his face filling Talon's vision. Today you are dead. He clipped each word through clenched teeth. The dead no longer get the privilege to train. Instead, they have only their scars. The commander drew a nefarious-looking black serrated dagger from his belt, ripped open Talon's tunic, and cut a deep wound in Talon's chest over his heart. Talon bit back the pain, knowing that must be what the commander expected. Clenched jaw, eyes meeting the commander's, Talon didn't utter a sound until the commander poured a white crystalline powder into his gloved hand and pressed it into the freshly opened wound. Until that moment, Talon would have said he knew what physical pain was. 
but nothing compared to the white-hot fire striking like a thousand bolts of lightning within the wound. The scream that erupted from Talon's throat echoed in the courtyard, broken only by a loud metallic clunk as the commander dropped a new training sword next to him on the cobblestones. Tomorrow we shall see if you live again. Talon stared at the sky until the chill of the earth in his bones was as painful as the fire burning in the wound on his chest. He considered going to Balanon, but thought better of it. He rolled over and found his feet, his breathing more controlled and the panic from before receding. However, a lilting snicker continued to echo in his head. Shut up, Talon said out loud and examined the new greatsword the commander had left him. His previous flat bar of steel had been augmented and was now a full hand's breadth longer, twice as thick as before, and felt double the weight. Then, without even a sigh, Talon set his jaw and accepted the new reality of the sword. Before that day, Talon thought he would have given anything for a day of rest from the commander's training. But instead, after a leisurely breakfast and some time soaking in a much-needed proper bath, he found himself agitated and despondent. Dragging himself from the tepid bath and looking in the mirror, Talon examined the wound in his chest. He found it to be already healing, but as an angry raised red scar compared to the practically invisible razor-thin lines left from the previous cuts that Balanon had stitched shut. The mirror also showed an unkempt man's face looking back at him. He had to remind himself that he had indeed celebrated his 18th birthday months before, and absently wondered about all the courtly duties that used to be a part of his life prior to the commander's arrival. He also recognized he needed to shave the sparse scruff on his face and neck that was but a sorry excuse for a beard. The thought crossed his mind for a moment to cut his hair. It had become even more wild and tangled and matted, now hanging far past his shoulders. However, the memory of Riken running his fingers through his mane, as Riken had called it, kept that idea from becoming action. Riken's visage haunted Talon throughout the day, and he realized how it had become almost absent in his life when previously he saw it in his mind near constantly. His name had been a source of constant motivation to Talon, a mantra he recited to persevere through the commander's relentless training. But now Riken's face, as clear as the morning he awoke by the spring looking into his eyes, seemed to follow Talon's gaze everywhere he looked. Questions flooded his mind. Where was Riken? Did he remember Talon? Did he look as different now as Talon did from the boy who swam in the spring and laid on the boulder by his side? Talon banished the idea of Riken being dead as soon as it formed. He felt in his heart he would know that his very soul would feel the loss if Riken had died. The day passed as Talon bumped around his chambers from distraction to distraction. He acclimated himself to the new training sword, had Balanon give him a shave, brushed and detangled his matted hair, and commissioned the valet to measure him for new dinner clothes, having discovered again that all his jerkins and doublets were hopelessly overtight and his breeches riding up or splitting at the seams. Dinner with his parents for the first time in five months was predictably bland. His new clothes would not be ready for days, so he had to settle for the old, making him feel hopelessly uncomfortable and feeling bound and unable to move. The food, of course, was exquisite, but interaction with his parents was relegated to Talon being told of matters of the estate and local politics. His parents did not remark on Talon's presence at dinner, his ill-fitting attire, that he had shaved, or the bar of flat raw steel leaning on the table at his side. The only mention of Talon's activities was Toman's comment. I see you did not train today. Why is that? I died this morning, Talon replied flatly. Without missing a beat, his father simply said, 
don't let it happen again. And that was it. Talon's mother, as always, remained silent and as beautiful as a painting without even a flinch at Talon's statement of dying. Conversation of happenings at the imperial court resumed. Within three quarters of an hour, his parents excused themselves, leaving Talon alone at the table with a cooling half-shank of lamb. It was then and there, in clothes that no longer fit, at a ridiculous table of finery he did not recognize, and with a dinged, raw steel, flat-bar training sword at his side, that Talon realized he was as invisible to his parents as the marks left by the wounds that Balanon had sewn shut. They knew him no more than the stable hands or the gardener, perhaps even less. In contrast, the commander, as harsh as he was, at least saw Talon and, in his punishments, was reacting to Talon's actions, even if it was his failures or shortcomings. Before the first ray of sun crested the horizon, the commander burst into Talon's chambers to find an empty bed. Clang! The commander's lightning-fast reaction still stopped Talon's heavy training sword that swung toward his torso from behind. Ah. Today you live and have learned. Now your education can actually begin. Relentless, tactical, strategic, precise, unending. Talon discovered his training truly had just begun. The work of the previous five months was just about brute force. This was about control. Into the winter, through the spring, and until the fruits of summer had come and gone, The commander refined Talon's skills in the same slow, deliberate process that one tempers and hones a blade. Talon made no effort to interact again with his parents, and his parents were similarly absent from his life. On a brisk afternoon, with the last leaves of fall crunching underfoot, the commander, helping Talon up from the ground after a brutal sparring match, held out his other hand and asked Talon for the greatsword that he was still using for training. Taking it, the commander said, Tomorrow you rest and the following day you begin to learn the ways of the weapon that your destiny demands you wield. 